Hello and welcome to another episode of Popmosis Film, a podcast that looks at films. I am Josiah. I am a writer. I write stuff and I love movies. I my background is in writing movies. And so we are joined by our critic and our fan, which different levels of expertise, right? That's your I like, official I like, I, I, I like the awkward pause. You're like uh the the guy that just is there, like <laughs> and no. dude the, the reason why is because I'm on like my the, screen... the dude on the, the couch I was, is half I was moving my eyes along the screen to where you're positioned on my on my screen here as we watch as we're recording oh, okay. remotely, obviously. That's why. It's the like, pause was no no slight to fanhood, but... Oh. Paul, so how are you doing, bro? Oh, my name, my name dude, is... Bro. My name is Paul, and uh, I'm the other guy in this podcast. I'm the third wheel. The fan perspective. We try. Yeah, so we exactly. Just, we just, it's just three different people with awesome... Yeah, awesome different perspectives. Exactly, like, yeah, different perspectives on the matter. Yeah. And Tyler, how Absolutely. are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm excited that we're finally talking about an anime film. Yes, which is, oh, and this like, is really anime. for me. <laughs> and it's anime. We're which doing, Tyler came we're up doing... with a super clever title. We talked about doing an animation month, and then we were thinking, you know, April has an A in it, but then Tyler is like, no, I got it, anime brilliant so i'm not the only person everybody else does it like Crunchyroll. oh or, really or, oh i'm not or, a loop. Or, or our friends at, for, at anime for humanity check out anime for humanity awesome hey, tyler, charity organization tyler take the credit when you receive it <laughs> <laughs> tyler invented cartoons everyone did you I know don't that need a, i don't i don't need a letter in the mail so <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey tyler didn't uh, you tell so... me that you're the walt disney of podcasts i've already said that in past <laughs> No, 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 no. I said that I made Mickey Mouse on a train <laughs> board. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Makes sense. That makes sense. Different. Yeah. Morty Mouse, right? Or Mortimer Mouse. I, I was going to call him, I was going to call him a Bicky Mouse, but, but the big, the big Rick, writer company. Yeah, Ricky Mouse. And this, this skinny guy from Kansas was in the seat behind you and overheard you and stole your idea. Ronald Buck. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> So today we are going to talk about the film Akira. Akira. I, I, forgive me. I'm going to say it the uh, sort of American pronunciation. Akira. And yeah, so just out of habit. I, but I, I, in the any Japanese names that I say, I apologize in advance. Uh, but the this is a hugely significant movie for me. It was the first real anime that I ever saw. The the very first uh, that I ever saw was actually Speed Racer, the cartoon, which was my very early anime sort of nuggets there. But I mean, you watched Transformers, didn't you? That's an American cartoon with yeah, uh, no... some Japanese toys. Yeah, there's no is it anime. Is yeah. it? Is it now? It was it was animated here. Yeah, it was animated was here. It really? Yeah, it was, it was animated, animated here, here by mm-hmm. Marvel. Yeah. The only yeah, the movie I... well, the movie was animated what? in Japan. Yeah. The uh, toys were Japanese before that, but then yeah. they brought yeah. them over, rebranded them, and then created a cartoon. Yeah, but it was animated here for sure. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I've always been told that it was anime. But I didn't get to the the, the significance of the movie to me. I have, uh, my dog is an Akita, which you guys have both had the pleasure of meeting, even though we're remote because of the year of... Hello there. He mm. is, being a Japanese breed, we gave him a Japanese name, and specifically for my favorite anime film, Akira, which he's Akira, so I'm going to say, again, if I don't pr- pronounce the Japanese pronunciation, I apologize but I. If you're uh, upset, uh, Josiah's address will be on the bottom. So please send all your hate mail. <laughs> send it to my dog, who is named. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's named. But he is named after this movie. And I. This is. Uh, I know Paul is something that's gonna be- one up me here that he'll show you guys in a second. But this is the reason I'm showing you this is I don't have a lot of physical media other than like old school VHS tapes for my collection. But this is one of a very few things that I kept. Physically, I you know most everything I just stream it or whatever. But I actually kept this Blu-ray one. We just got rid of most everything we had a few years ago just for because we were moving and saving space. So that's how much yeah, it means to me. I named my dog after it, and this is one of like Star Wars. I have I have this. I have the Lord of the Rings extended cuts. So that's like all I have physical media. So that tells oh, you sorry. the significance of it. I misheard you. I thought you said you had a Star, oh, wow. I have a Star Wars dog. I have a like. <laughs> Eventually, I would love to. I was, we have. We I have. Like, we, I've we, only we met a Kira. Where are the other ones? I would have a Luke. I'd have a a Chewie, <laughs> which is an obvious dog name. But it's a hugely significant for me, a movie for me. So I love it very much. It was a very influential movie for me, and yeah, we'll talk. Well, so what was? Let's go backtrack a little. What was the first anime that you guys saw then? Just out of curiosity, because this was the first oh, feature film anime that I saw. 
Okay, feature film an- anime, first one I watched. Uh, I would say My Neighbor Totoro. Okay. Uh, yeah, My, My Neighbor Totoro or um, or Castle in the Sky, actually. Might be also Castle in the Sky. Unfortunately, it wasn't, it wasn't Nausicaa. Or, if we're also counting Dragon Ball, uh, may, might be also... Or, I, yeah, I think Dragon Ball Z Tree of Might was actually like my technically my first one, but that didn't that, actually that maybe that did go to theaters. I can't remember now. Anyway, How about you one fall? of those three. Actually, uh, so Akira is the second anime I've ever seen. The first one was uh, Robot Carnival, and uh, I actually saw Robot Carnival in uh, on the Sci Fi Channel on Saturday Night Block, and it was like 1990. And it's interesting that like back in the day, anime was like hard to find. Like you have to really yeah. search for it. And the internet didn't exist. And so if you wanted to see this new art form, it's like you really had to go out of your way to find it. And uh, so the first thing I saw was Robert Carnival. And um, there's one uh, there's one short in it done by Katsuhiro Tomo um, that uh, he had this big tank that was rolling through the city. And it was shooting all this advertisements at everybody and <laughs> destroyed the town. And it was just like wildly satiric, satirical. And I totally got it. And I was like, at the time, I was probably like 10. Uh, and I just totally loved it. And then um, I went to Blockbuster. So I'm totally dating myself right now. I went to Blockbuster and I saw the VHS cover um, of this movie called Akira. And it says, Neo Tokyo is about to explode. And I saw the name Katsuhiro Tomo. So I was like, hey, let me rent this movie. And I actually have a VHS copy over here. Of Akira, and this is actually one of the first, either the first or the you second. Throw this in the trash, VHS, Blu-ray. <laughs> that so this is, is like awesome. So, so this is like one of the That's first really rad, or second printings of this movie on VHS, and you'll see it's done by um, Streamline Pictures. Uh, and I kept it all this time. I personally, uh, I love Akira, and it's one of the most influential movies for me. But I, I don't like VHS. And so I, when when uh, DVDs came out, I get I got rid of all my VHS tapes and bought everything DVD. And the only VHS that survived is actually this copy of Akira because it really oh, wow. is is like endearing to me. It's like I, I really am connected to this film. And so, but every time a new medium comes out, I always buy Akira. I bought it on DVD and like the Steelbook. I bought it on Blu-ray. I bought it on 4K recently. I didn't even wait for the U.S. release. I bought the Japanese version. That was like three times the price of a regular 4K. But uh, I love this. I love this film, and I am very much attached to it. And I honestly, um, like at the time of animation, uh, this was before Batman the Animated Series came out, or any like X Men, any the Golden Age of Disney. Like, didn't even happen yet. And this movie came out. And before that, we had Transformers, we had G.I. Joe, we did all these cartoons that were basically like to sell cartoons, like to sell toys. And like the animation was very good. And even though I'm like very nostalgic for those things or I enjoy those things, like they don't really hold up. And so uh, when I saw Akira, I was like, what is this? This is like, it just was so amazing. It was like beyond uh, my comprehension of how like great animation can be, you know? And uh, I mean, we'll go into we'll go into this further, but um, yeah, I am incredibly attached to this movie in the same way Josiah is attached to this movie. And uh, I mean, honestly, if the only way I can one up Josiah in terms of naming my dog Akira is if I have two kids named Tetsuo and Kaneda. <laughs> but but <laughs> really, I just I love this film. So part of the, I'll say I'll say there was a factor with Akira. We we tossed around a lot of names. It was on the car ride when we first got the dog Akira. And we tossed around different names, and I looked up what Akira actually means, and it means bright and intelligent, like the actual meaning of the word itself. And I'm like, that oh, really cool. describes my dog. So I thought we that's what we meant. That's why we lean that way. There was other Japanese names we came. We didn't want a Japanese name. And, so I like that you mentioned the Sci-Fi Channel thing though, because that's where I first saw it. Because it, like oh, yeah. you said, it was hard to come by and hard to find. And I lived in a very small town, so our video store was Christoph's Video Magic at that time, which was actually run by like my like the Christ my my on my. Dad's side, Christoph is like a family name, so they're related to me. They're like second cousins or something. So we used to get free videos, but I couldn't even get it. They didn't even have it because it was just a small town video store type of thing. So it was on the sci-fi channel. And I remember reading it in like fan type magazines at that time about this movie. So I knew it existed, but I finally got to see it. So I'll go through the stats on the production here. Uh, it was July 16th, 1988. It opened in Japan. Uh, director Katsu- Katsushiro Ot- Otomo 
who also wrote the screenplay with Izio Hashimito. I'm doing worse on the Japanese names because I want to do well on them, so I'm doing even worse. It's all in my head now. Um, you're trying so hard. You're just... You're, you're, you're like, I no. gotta get this out. I gotta get this yeah. out. And, you're, and your brain is just like, ha, ha, ha. Nope. <laughs> uh, no, totally. And the cool thing with... Uh, Katsuhiro uh, Otomo, he wasn't even thinking about making a film, but someone approached him would about maybe do the rights to it. And that's why he's like, well, then I'll do it myself. If someone's going to do it, I'll just do it myself. The, it was based on the Which, manga. honestly, very weird, very rare in, in anime. Like, a lot of the time, the creator is, like, consultants, like, will help out in the writing room, and then, like, that's it. Like, he, like if you look at, like, Akira Toriyama for Dragon Ball, he is only directed and only been like a major part of an OVA and like early nineties. Yeah. And I don't even remember what it was even called. It was, so, uh, and like, it's, it, it's really crazy and awesome. Yeah. That. Sorry. No problem. So the manga was, uh, began in December of 1982, uh, which is interesting. Again, the era was born. So, uh, again, there was a reference to the previous episode, actually. I'm crossing my wires here. Uh, June, uh, through June of 1990. So eight years of a run and some 2,000 pages. It was then published. It was published at the time in Weekly Young Magazine, published, uh, later in six volumes. And it was actually published by Marvel in the United States under the Epic imprint which I wish I knew as a kid. I did. I wasn't aware of it. And it was also, the movie was re- revolutionary because Paul mentioned those Disney movies. Everything you see in this movie was then, this movie did it before those Disney movies did it. Computers and all these animation techniques, they did it first with, with, with Akira. And the Disney Golden Age, they would then do it after that. And even in the comic books, it was a revolution. It was the first, for international, they did a colorized version to help sell it to international markets. It was the first digitally colored comic book. So even the comic book had, was groundbreaking in, in more ways than just the story and plot and all that. And the animation was obviously very significant. And you know, so, the, the funny thing about the comic book is like, it was actually, so there's, there's a six volume manga series. They were fo- four volumes in, four volumes deep before they released the movie. And uh, so like basically the movie kind of truncates the whole epic storyline, but there's like so much going on in the six volume manga series that I highly recommend if you ever get a chance, just read them because it really kind of fleshes out the whole story of Akira in new and exciting ways. In the movie where the movie ends, it's like what the halfway point maybe. Yeah. Maybe like the second or third (laughs) volume, like not even (laughs) it's wait, was he ever, uh, I've actually never read the manga uh, ever. I've never, unfortunately, I've read a little bit of it. It is. I read, I I mean, it's its own beast. (laughs) It's, oh, I absolutely. The, every, like what you oh, see in the movies, I've there, seen the volume, but like then it goes on and all. There's so much more. Obviously, so many more characters. It's, it's yeah. There's, like it's just, there's, I remember there's a part where like a clown gang allies with the like uh, Canada's gang, and then all those different factions, all the radical factions, like show up as like these gangs trying to like take control of Neo Tokyo. It's like really epic. I highly recommend it. It is so so good. That uh, so uh, just real quick, the last thing it opened in the United States on January first, nineteen ninety, and it made not much money. But I don't know the the size of release uh, at that time. I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't a very big release. Like I have numbers that it made uh, somewhere between five hundred thousand and one million in the U.S. on, on its initial release. Um, yeah. it, but it o- only opened at eleven thousand dollars. When I saw that, I'm like, wow, that's insane that this groundbreaking. I and I you know I can't say for sure these numbers, but I'm sure they're in the ballpark. That that just shocked me. I'm like, wow! And but it's a movie that's grown over the years. And and again, it was yeah. where anime wasn't really a known commodity other than kids' cartoons that would kind of come over every now and again. That that this is the movie that that changed it. So, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting at the time uh, that this came out, there was really like a vacuum of animation. Like Walt Disney Studios almost closed down because Michael Eisner wanted to sa- save money, and the, pro- the studio hasn't been profitable. For like a long time. And this was like right before the golden age of animation. And all the new creative talent were being like pushed out. Like uh, John Lasseter, he did a, a, a test for Where the Wild Things Are. Um, it was like this is this pitch for computer animation. And he showed it to the execs and got fired. And he was pushed away to Pixar. Same with like Brad Bird. Tim Burton was fired. Like all the new talent that kind of uh, was the, the nine old men passed the torch to were being forced out of Disney Studios, so they were in a bad spot. And so, like, they left this vacuum of, like, 
uh, where animation was not in a good place at that time. And so you have this movie that just like hit like a nuclear bomb and, and really like changed the game, changed the landscape of animation in all countries. And I realize I, I totally undersold Paul at the beginning of this episode. The fan thing, that's just kind of like our marketing ploy here. But Paul is studying animation. Paul knows animation. So he there's he's a greater resource than than either Reason. Tyler and I in terms of animation and things like that. So I was I, I, born I'm, in the animation. I'm like, I, you know, I don't, I, 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 we have, I, I try to use our, our, <laughs> our Popmosis tagline, Popmosis sort of tagline, how we, you know, the, the sort of pithy little, hey, we're, this is what we are. But Paul is really a great resources in that regard. And, and I, and I, that's why I love that we get to, we don't talk about a ton of animated movies. So it's cool from that perspective too, that Paul will have yeah. that kind of insight for us. So. Absolutely. So, Paul, um, how did they make this movie shot by shot? <laughs> go, let's go through every single shot and you tell well, me exactly I'll, how I'll, it I think it's, what, 160,000 individual cells. <laughs> it's magic. I'll, I'll tell you, it's, like, uh... this movie was animated <laughs> at once. This, you know, like, the, this animation, the animation of this movie is, like, so fluid because it was animation, animated at once. They drew every single thing. All the mechanics, yep. all the, you know, when uh, uh, Tetsuo is getting that MRI or whatever and the, the way the mechanism, like, uh, rotates and scales and like they hand drawn all of that they hand drawn all the smoke effects all the yep. uh, rubble falling all hand drawn and like this movie like you could teach a whole class on this one movie this movie is like yep. a masterpiece uh but go ahead when i when i was no when i was saying when i was taking film class and we were discussing animation the ones that we that that, that the professor said that were basically like the big milestones for animation were Pinocchio, Akira, and um, 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 I don't like the movie Prince of Egypt because Prince mm-hmm. of Egypt was like that big merge of CG and uh, you know, C- you know, yeah, CG and 2D animation together, and like such a big whatever that thing. I'm not a big fan of that film at all, but like, I technically it is amazing. But Akira is so. <laughs> So 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 beautiful. It's so gorgeous. It's I yeah. So yeah, absolutely. It was also the first uh, film for me that showed me like Disney had been. You know, it, it's an adult can watch it, but it's not fundamentally for an adult. This is the first time I was still a kid when I saw it. I probably saw it whenever it first aired on the Sci Fi Channel, as I discussed, maybe ninety two, ninety three, somewhere in that range. So I was ten, eleven years old probably when I finally saw this and. It just blew me away because it was so mature and grown up. And at that time, we finally did have the Batman animated series and things. So the influence had started to trickle down. But this, for me, was just shocking in a good way that how intense and how graphic it was. It was just different. It was, you know, it wasn't like the 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 violence it, like it relatively tame compared to some anime that goes way and leans heavily into that but for me at the time i you know would see things like disney where everything's off camera if there is any violence you know bambi where you hear the shot kind of thing you don't see anything that and that's very impactful but this was like shocking for me yeah, yeah. and and like the nuance of this world and the, the world building and the 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 you know, they put they meant to put they put so much detail into it. Like when there's a board meeting with the Supreme Council, you see a guy dozing off in the background. Like they put so much detail into everything, and it's really impressive. Uh, just and and the thing is, the themes of this movie are uh, eerily familiar, especially with everything that happened last year. It just it really resonates on a whole new level. And in a way that uh, they couldn't anticipate in 1988. I just, uh, I, I, yeah, I just, I love this movie so much. And it's like, for, anyway, I'll, I'll stop talking. I feel like I'm gushing too much. No, I, no, no, I, I, I agree. Like, it's weird, you know, it's weird two years ago that, you know, Tokyo was just like this movie. It's insane. I, I mean, I, I don't remember any of these events happening. I mean, I'm just joking. I was just making a stupid. Well, there were the know, Olympics. There's that a were space laser. Be, they were de- the Olympics yeah. were delayed in Tokyo. They said it was COVID, but I think it's because Tetsuo and Kaneda had their fight in Olympic uh, yeah. Stadium. Yeah. And they the place. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I don't. Yeah. 
Anyway, so I want to talk. One of the things I, I want to talk about is we, we can go on and on about the animation, the visual style, how much it means to us, all those things, how we named our dogs and our children after it and its characters. But what? Do all you guys... eight of my kids, <laughs> right? Right, all Canada's. Yeah. Go back to your yeah. cages. Anyway, <laughs> is that the dog? Oh. In the cage? Hey, my dog doesn't sleep in a cage. I saw this thing on Instagram about like how in like cities in like the 1930s, like they had window cages for babies to be like sleeping and they could get fresh air it was like horrifying to see anyway what? But, <laughs> I, I just look it up it's a thing it was weird it's hilarious uh, so the thing that's most always stands out that for this movie is there's re- the i mean there's no it's not like a there's no true hero in it in a traditional sense if you look the, the in terms yeah. of archetype like Kaneda is your protagonist and Tetsuo are your two main characters they're not really a hero. They're kind of, I mean, Kaneda, if anything, is very much an anti-hero. And obviously Tetsuo becomes a bad guy. What do you guys think of the dynamic of those two characters? Because I think it's awesome and it's what makes the film work beyond just being a beautiful work of art. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. Like, they're, they're not like friends, but they're just, but they're like brothers, you know? Like, yeah. Like, you know, like they're in the gang and stuff like that. Like in a biker gang and stuff. And Every single relationship and every single thing that they do in this movie is unlike most things that I've seen in anime. Like, there's a, a now, there's, of course, we all know that this has influenced an ungodly amount of things. And, but, like, for this time, for other movies that came out around this time, and, like, like let's even compare this to Blade Runner and other things of sci-fi that are relatively like this, or at least have some familiar, ter- that, that cover some familiar territory in it. It it has all these relationships between characters that I've never really seen before, where you have everybody is connected, but they're not like super connected. Uh, it, it's all on just like experiences or just like, hey, we're in a gang and, you know, the world kind of sucks and it just kind of keeps going and everybody kind of keeps coming back to them to each other. Like everybody does, you know, and uh, like uh, uh, the, 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 the female character, what's her name? um k i think you know, yeah k yeah may k uh yeah and so i don't know it's just it's a weird movie it's it's a really weird weirdly done film with some crazy different pacing and like and uh character development which i thought which I, which is un- it's amazing it's unbelievable so yeah I, I i actually really love the characterization of uh Kaneda and Tetsuo, uh, their friendship, their brotherly love. It's sort of like a uh, reluctant, it's like a, a antagonistic rivalry between the two of them. You know, like Tetsuo obviously looks up to Kaneda as a bigger brother and, and Kaneda is always the one to kind of uh, uh, protect uh, Tetsuo. And because mm. Kaneda is kind of like the alpha male in a way, um, Tetsuo kind of, uh, he resents him in a way. He kind of resents him and resents like that big brother kind of um, uh, that big brother relationship with him, you know? And so I really like that, that sort of antagonistic brotherhood between the two of them. And that really drives the narrative in the movie. And I, uh, I, I don't know. I just, that, that relationship is so strong and it's so nuanced and so well done. Um, I just, to be honest with you, like when, uh, you know, when when I heard like the the Star Wars prequels are coming out, I honestly assumed that the relationship between Anakin and Obi Wan would have been a lot like this, like this relationship. <laughs> how Anakin is like mm. gifted in the way Tetsuo is, but he can't control his power, and Obi Wan's like the bigger brother that's kind of holding him down and and sort of uh, uh, and and you know Anakin kind of like looks at it the wrong way. And so I thought that that's the relate that the relationship between the two would have been that nuanced, but it ended up not being that way. But anyway, I, I just. Whenever I think of how to how would you write a good relationship between two brotherly characters, I go to this. I go to Tetsu and Kaneda because it's so well done. Yeah, I think uh, I relate to it so much because I'm the younger brother. I am Tetsuo in this dynamic, and I want to be Kaneda Tetsuo, <laughs> like the other name for like half the movie, which is great, but <laughs> a lot of that. So. But That's most anime, where it's just it's just characters yelling at each other, yelling their true. names at each other. Yelling their names. It's so true. So, but I can relate so much to him and his journey, and I really understand how he is 
corrupted by this power that he doesn't understand and can't control it is overwhelmed by i get it it's that's what works for me so well in this movie and then canada i love there's a line late in the movie where i think i wrote it down uh they're gonna take him out like they know they have to kill him and he's like uh the like the revolutionaries like but tetsuo he goes tetsuo is our friend not yours if someone's going to kill him it should be us I just thought that was so powerful and such a great statement of, yeah, of the relationship. I love him. I, 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 he might hate him at times, like that brother thing. I might hate him at times, and I, I can't stand him, but I always love him. No matter what yeah. he does, I love him. And if he's going to die, I should be the one to do it. That's only fair. It shouldn't be, you know, it's, it's a very powerful dynamic. One thing that was really cool, I watched an interview with, uh, the, with Katsuhiro Otomo, and he was talking about the influences of American movies. And he talked about a lot of 70s movies, like Easy Rider, obviously, which you can see the influence. He talked about Bonnie and Clyde, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, all these 70s anti-hero type of movies. And when I heard that, I'm like, it was like revelatory for me because I saw the dynamic in the characters that no one's a pure hero. And even Tetsuo, even though he mm -hmm. becomes a bad guy, he's not a pure bad guy. Even the colonel, who's kind of the most pure bad guy in the movie, he's just also kind of doing what he thinks is right to protect people. It's the dynamic is his perspective. And, the, and it does a really good job of everyone is coming at this very bizarre situation from a different perspective of different goals. And the yeah. thing that holds it together though, is that family of Tetsuo and, and the, the, the rest of the gang, but Tetsuo and Kaneda in particular, they're like, they're brothers, absolutely brothers. And I, I think that's brilliant. What you said, Paul, about the, the relationship, how Anakin and, and, um, Obi-Wan would have had that dynamic. It would have really been so much more powerful because yeah, that's, they tried and didn't necessarily succeed at that. But that's what really carries this movie even still today for me is despite all the beautiful window trappings, when you have that story that all these big crazy things are going on, it's fundamentally a story of two people who love each other. They might not always like each other and get along, but they love each other. And they'll be there for each other, even if it's to the, that sort of extreme circumstance of he's going to die and we ha he has to be stopped. I'll be the one to do it. And that was really powerful. Yeah. Like, and, well, it's, and, and it's something that's always resonated for me. And, and even going along with yeah. that, it's like when, when Tetsuo can't control his power and he's turning into that blob monster, he keeps on saying Kaneda because he wants Kaneda yeah. to help him. And that, that's like in his time of, di of, of, of need, he goes to Kaneda, even though he, he sort of hates him. Like he's the one that helps yeah. them. It's, it's 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 such a nuance. It's like so nuanced, so well done. Yeah, he's like a great tragic figure. He's he his fall. It's so powerful and sad. And even the girl, his girl, that Tetsuo's girl, that oh, he kills. Yeah. yeah, that it's so heartbreaking because he doesn't want to do it. But he and, and and he can't control himself. He physically. I mean, yeah. he's just go like this. Is, it's the power is out of control. Yeah, because it was Absolutely. just. And it's also um, like, so by the way, I'm, Judy has never seen the movie. She has a dog named after this movie and she's never seen it. And we're watching it last night and she goes, whoa, this movie's pretty scary. And she, we're, we're talking about specifically the scene in the, the hospital when Tetsu was in there and the, the, the animal, the bear, the little bears are walking and stuff and it forms oh together God. into the teddy bear thing. I'm like, yeah, it's scary. And she's like, you saw this when you were a kid? I'm like, yeah, it scared me then. And I was... But that's the power of the movie, and the. I think that what works is we're talking about how Tetsuo gets overwhelmed by the sensation of his power, and the movie overwhelms you in the right way, with all this sensory information to you kind of feel what he's feeling. I thought that's something that the movie succeeded as well. That you can really, you really go on that ride with Tetsuo in that way. Absolutely, and so I'm kind of curious, like I, with you, Tyler, have is watching this movie um how like the the legacy of it like how how is it how does it sit with you compared to somebody that you know watched it for the first time and that's their first exposure to anime like you watched a bunch of other anime before you got to this so how is your relationship with it has changed yeah i've actually i actually watched this in college way later on like i yeah. mean I mean, I had at this point I had already watched all of Ghosts in the Shell that was out, that was out. I mean, I'd watched so many other anime movies, and for some reason, my friends and I just never really wanted to watch Akira because of its long runtime. 
And I finally sat down and I, I, I was talking about earlier was we did a whole class where we talked about Pinocchio. So I went back and rewatched Pinocchio and I watched Akira for the first time. Uh, cause at that point I, we did have the mail in Netflix and I was like, screw it. Let, let's do it. And, uh, and I watched it with my roommate and, uh, yeah, it was unbelievable. And, um, but, uh, I mean, like, I, I grew up with, like, watching other things that are relatively like it, like, at least with content. Not, you know, they're not the same movie at all. But, like, I watched, like, you know, Paprika, uh, Ghost in the Shell, yeah, even like the, the Like, the grown-up sort of tone, you mean, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. absolutely. Uh, Perfect Blue, I had already seen before, Akira, which is really strange that I oh, watched okay. that before. So, like, and, and, you know, and, of course, like, um, other things like Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke, which are also very dark as well. Not as dark as any of these films, like Evangelion or this or Ghost in the Shell. But um, I, 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 I had watched other stuff already, and not only just anime movies, but also just anime, like... Uh, like watching all of Helsing and, and other things that are really dark and messed up, Paranoia Agent and stuff. So um, it didn't phase me as well uh, with like the contents of it. However, it's just the year that it was made is amazing. Like I mean, uh, you know, it was made after um, Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind, uh, which is an unbelievably gorgeous film. But not not to knock anything, not not to knock Studio Ghibli or um, you know, uh, or, um, oh my God, why am I forget Miyazaki, but this is a much better and more technical film than any of the Studio Ghibli movies that had already come out yet. Like, I think like, I think a lot of people also think that, you know, a spirited away was like the one that just like really put Ghibli on the map, uh, you know, internationally and was the one that kind of show, okay, now this is like real art. I think Akira is art. And also a good sci-fi movie and also a little bit of a horror movie. Like, it has, like, all these yeah. different elements yeah. in it. Where Totoro is, like, a really kitty kind of movie. Castle in the Sky is, like, a like, nice adventure, but you already have Disney movies that are like it. You know, it's not treading too many new waters. Like, you know, it's it's, it's hitting some some similar beats of, of Disney, which is why he was called the Disney of Japan. Yeah. And then he made Spirited Away, and everyone's like, oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> and so... And, like, I love Spirited Away. But, like, you know, that's what I'm saying. You know, it's like everybody saw Miyazaki as, like, the Disney of Japan. So all of the movies that came out were very Disney-like. Akira is unlike anything else, you know, that came over here. That uh, that, that had the type of content, that had the type of character um, characters in it, that had, uh, you know, the visuals and the way that they filmed it. Like, all the... All the um, like all the backgrounds moving and stuff like that. Like when they when they're all on a plane and like you see the camera moving and you see the background shake with it as well and it's like so unbelievably because like what they'll do on that is they just move, you know, they just put the thing down for one frame and then they just move it up. And then they have the machine that goes sorry, they have the machine that goes all like that that's like layered with all the background stuff where it just slowly moves up that Walt Disney yeah, the Studios multi, created. The multiplane, yeah, right? multiplane, multiplane camera. camera. Uh-huh. The multiplane. So that's also moving, which means that they're actually moving the camera each time. The problem with that was when you move the camera, how the hell do you put the camera back and make sure that it's perfect like it was before? So when you continue on to the uh, and you know, and it's not all messed up. Like, there's a lot of things in this movie that are unbelievably, like, like crazy that I don't, and which is why I think, like, this is such a staple since Pinocchio, like, 50 years earlier you know like there's like that huge gap it goes like you know from like from pinocchio night what 1940s 1930s and then this in 1980s and then 1996 for prince of egypt like that small gap was like a big thing and then the one before it's like (laughs) decades like it's i think yeah because what you have is disney from pinocchio on we know what we do well we know how to do our way and we just did it did it did it did it did it until yeah it's and they reuse date. a lot of the character. The yeah, they use the animation movement. exactly. Yeah, sure. They would, yeah. So, yeah, uh, that's my little rant. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like this movie doesn't it doesn't cut corners and it doesn't streamline anything. And it's labor intensive. When they made this movie, it's like labor intensive, and they they, they just uh, it's insane. It's like does it? Um, I honestly think that if they tried to do this again, 
this movie wouldn't get past like previs because it's so just off kilter. It's so unconventional in in the tone Ooh. and the story, and you know, like it just it it wouldn't. I don't think it would, you know, like really get. Uh, I don't think it would have been made actually if it if it's a, if it was a project pitch today. I highly disagree. Anime has been so experimental uh, lately. Like, I mean, you're we're seeing. I mean, Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer is a really messed up uh, anime, and it's the number one anime even for kids. And it is a really dark, messed up anime. Look at Attack on Titan. I'm not a big fan of Attack on Titan, but the thing is, like, it's a re- it, that's also was number one for a while, and is a milestone of anime. And those are just the shows. Now, if you look at the anime movies, oh my god, the things that they're doing with anime movies. Like, you have things like Beastars, which is another show. I'm not saying that that's a movie or anything. Now, I would say, actually, I'm surprised they haven't remade or even considered even doing, like, a, a sequel to this movie they yet. They are. For, Ooh. Well, I know they're, I know they're making a, a live-action remake, they're but I don't know. A, they're... they're making a sequel series with, uh... Oh, I didn't know it was a sequel with, series. With, uh, I thought Katsuhiro it was just a remake. Otomo, yeah. Oh, really? And then Taika Waititi is attached to do a live action version. That's but that's separate from that. Wow. So, I mean, do you uh, yeah. do you think that they could uh, make a sequel no. and and have it live up to the promise of no. this? I doubt original? it. But the fact that it's the original creator who create the, the 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 one the one caveat with that I'll say is what we talked about earlier with the the manga is it's great and there's so much content in there. I don't know that the follow-up would be necessarily what you see there, but that that's the reason part of why I'd be interested in a live-action version is if you're telling me it's a live-action remake of this film, maybe I don't want to see that, but if it's a live-action adaptation of that epic, super-long volume of uh, manga, that that's something I'd be interested in. And yeah. so, therefore, there's still material that even the filmmaker created in his own comic that... Uh, that Katsuhiro Otomo didn't even use in the movie. So there's like two, a thousand pages worth of stuff for him to tap into. So that's why I would say potentially that it could possibly work. Yeah. But it could but, never, it could never have the impact that it had though. And I yes. think what Tyler's saying is a good point. And maybe it could get made today. But one thing that's interesting to think about is this is the movie that brought all the other movies that they exist especially here in the, in the United States, this was the movie that legitimized anime as a format in the United States. This is the movie that really is the watermark that changed things just in that regard, mm-hmm. not just in terms of the the animation and all the, the artistry behind it, but just it was when it came over the United States, it didn't do huge theatrical, but then when it was released on VHS and then later on DVD, it has had that consistent sort of legacy in that way. So it's interesting to think, and I really appreciate Tyler's perspective having seen it later because he's seeing all these things that wouldn't have come over here had that not come out first. And that's the really yeah, interesting like, thing. Yeah, like there, there are a bunch of like really, yeah, like like they go off on like, unlike really weird anime movies have come out recently. Like in the last like six years, there's a movie that's literally called Genocidal Organs. That's the name of the movie. Ooh. Like in this, it's the final <laughs> It's the final of a trilogy. So, like, no, uh, anime lately has been extremely experimental from doing, like, really sites-to-life stuff and talking about, like, bullying for once and, like, the the thing that, like, with the silent voice and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, anime's got, anime is so, which is why I, I love anime so much. It, 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 it is finally touching and doing the craziest things that I never thought, you know, that we, we will never see in America, probably, or at least for a very long time with, with animation. Unless it's, like, self-funded like, yeah like in not t- mainstream stuff i gotcha yeah you're not gonna get it produced mm-hmm. by warner brothers like animalisa from <laughs> you know from from uh spike jones spike lee spike jones spike jones, spike jones. Spike jones. yeah <laughs> all the spikes <laughs> i know i know an animator that worked on that too does stop motion oh, nice so. yeah but you know I, I oh i mean i appreciate the fact that like even though you've uh seen akira a little bit later that it hasn't dulled its impact that it, it still resonates really well with you and that it, you know, because you've seen things that are like it, but it hasn't, you know, dulled the impact at all. You know, like a testament to the movie I, itself that it's able to do yeah. that. I think it's because it was so influential 
that will always ring true to me. And like, I think anybody who watches it, because there's a lot of weight to this movie. Uh, it, it is something that seems familiar. And then of course you look at, and you look or you realize the date the movie was made and like, and then you look back at the things that followed it, like Chronicle or like a bunch of other shit that desperately tried to, uh, re, you know, retell the story. Uh, and, and you're just like, see, like, like, it's amazing how much better and quality, but not only that, but like every single scene, you're seeing so much, like what you're saying, every layers of animation in one frame, you know, and like, in like 10 frames, you'll see like, art from probably like 10 different artists where nowadays it's like one artist will do like what like 100 for like you know like you know like 300 to 500 frames now by themselves we're like in this thing they're just like okay your job is the smoke from from these frames to this frames today your job is the sparks from this frame to this frame like this movie is just and the thing is unbelievable. Though, that that you're doing all this even though this is this had one of the first times you had a computer generated image with the the his you know, that circular thing that shows Tetsuo's power flow thing that yeah. was groundbreaking in that, but everything else just hand drawn animation. That's the yep. most amazing thing. Everything else, the, these effects that, that look like things that would maybe be, that would for sure be done now, like at least enhanced with a computer in animation, even yeah. in like cell animation that mm-hmm. would just, it wouldn't even cell animation doesn't get made the way this movie got made anymore. It's just how yeah. everything has changed. So it looks so much more distinct and beautiful for that as well. That's just, again, it just, and that's the power of the movie though. It holds up visually and it holds up in terms of story. There's so many layers of why it works. That's why yeah. I think it's a truly great film. Like I wouldn't name my dog after a lesser movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, man, I shouldn't have named my dog Ponyo then. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Wow. I'm, my favorite uh, movie, though, we had an episode. I'm going to name, uh, if I get another dog, I'm going to say, hey, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite hey, movie, ha- so. <laughs> hey, Hoth. No, um, no, I, I want to say one thing and give, like, there's one technical thing and there's one thing in this movie, especially watching it today, that I, I don't think it hit me very hard last time because I, ever since then, I've loved and studied a lot more about animation and I, like, a, mo- a lot of my friends in college were in animation. Um, like a lot of them, I have a ton of friends who are in animation today. And the one thing that I, is so fascinating in this movie that I haven't seen in other anime or here is you always see the eyes, uh, like where the eyes are going always. They don't just like an anime where they'll just be like right here at one frame and the next frame they're looking over here because something happens. Like the eyes are constantly moving like a normal human's eyes. And it's something and like, it's like little details like that that is strange and it really dives me into this movie again like i was saying like the weight of this movie but it's really strange i don't see that you just kind of just see an anime they'll be looking over here and then the next frame they're like ah over there and their eyes are in completely different places but you see the you always see the trail of where the eyes are going to where the focus is in this movie i don't think i've actually realized that in any other anime movie uh, now I want to go back and watch a ton of them and see if they do the same thing. But it wasn't there. No, but I can definitely say that there are nowhere near as like realistic or as like prominent like in this movie because even, this movie has a lot of close-ups on the face. So even in the beginning, the light streaking of the motorcycles like that's something yeah. that effect is Those not something lights. that's done. You know the tail light. Yeah, that's yeah. something that's usually not done. That little detail, that little nuance is. Uh, yeah. And no, like yeah, the transparency and animation, like hand drawn animation, that's amazing art. Amazing art. Yeah, and even the way the motorcycles move through the cityscape and it skids, and like I love that how he like that camera angle where he like he skids to a stop and then you know kind of there's like a little mm-hmm. bit of overlap into the camera. And to be honest with you, like if you're an animation student, watch this movie because this is like. Uh, it, it, it's insane. It's it it, it you yeah. know like uh with um Frank and Ollie they have the twelve principles of animation. This like covers all of them like uh squash and stretch appeal uh overlapping action arcs anticipation all of that. This is like a perfect like a masterclass in in animation. So uh and and the thing with this movie is like this movie is about two hours and like five minutes. It took me five hours to finish this movie because I just kept on pausing and just marveling at like the little nuances of this movie and like the little touches that they did and 
Uh, like even like pausing, pausing like that, Paul. You're gonna ruin your VHS. Oh, I know, right? There's gonna be tracking <laughs> lines all over it. But uh, it's it's uh, it's it's insane. I, I just it's funny. Like we're doing uh, you know, we're doing a show talking about a cure. We're gushing about it, and it's like very incongruous with what you usually do with YouTube and uh, you know, a lot of internet stuff. It's like we're just glowing, you know. Just like, oh, I'm gonna, so great. I'm gonna name my dog after a movie I hate next time. Yeah, <laughs> just to just to be ironic. So where's that Joe? Think- where's Josie? Where's? <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I want to share one thing that the most one of the most powerful moments in any movie I've ever seen is in this film, and it's like there's a lot of beauty in it and in, in the animation and the story, but the. This is a true character moment that always got me and got me like when I was a kid, I remember it and it stood out. So there's the scene where Tets, uh, Kaneda is following Kay, right? And she is going into like the sewer or whatever. And he's up high and there's a guy that's trying to get the drop on her. And he jumps down on the guy, but he like misses and falls in the water and he's a heap. And that guy is going to probably kill Kaneda. So she has to pull her gun and shoot that guy to save Kaneda. Because he'd already like saved her at the, you know, brought her with her when their gang was arrested and stuff. And that moment, how brutal, like, that destroyed her. It was such a powerful, sad, it, and I remember it and it affected me and it's still, every time I watch it, the animation, again, that the animation to the point of serving just, not just like story and beauty, but character. It's so good the yeah. way she, she is so broken by having to have killed someone to save that person really really catches me every time that's one of like that's the one thing i had in my notes that i'm like i want to touch on that moment if i don't oh, say anything else that's the one thing that i wanted to hit on Ab- so. absolutely like that that part really like stuck with me at this i did at that time pause it and i was like that's that's crazy like the look in her eyes that sense of regret and uh that's amazing just to like capture that and not only that to really that it what really punctuates it is that the camera lingers on the dead uh, soldier and his body just mm-hmm. kind of sinks into the sewer and when the blood is and it's just like holy shit like the impact of that the the gravity one of, and one of the things i noticed is like with that that's a great example there's there's points where the world and the physicality of things have weight to it that you don't see in animation all the time that helps you then even though it's so beautiful kind of forget you're watching something that's animated because you're just on that and then at least for me i can just be consumed by the story because it seems so real even though it's clearly not. It's a, it's such a powerful dynamic that this movie achieves so well. So, segueing into, what do you think the legacy, we've kind of touched on it here and there, but what is the legacy of this film? I mean, anything sci-fi, like Matrix, anything. But, yeah. Um, the Matrix is one of was like that I, I didn't well, realize until, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, now I totally see it. When somebody, like, else can said I, it. <laughs> can I go back and actually, sure. like, um, uh, what you were saying, like, like the weight, like, uh, I actually, uh, well, what I noticed is, Anytime anybody's either overpowered or getting like hurt, there is this. Um, I hate to keep saying this word, but that's it's like the best word. So much weight to it, like um, the the part where um, you know uh, uh, Canada uh, or Canada, whoever say oh Canada, they love yeah. Eugene Levy. Um, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> uh, Canada, uh, when when mm-hmm. uh, when Canada is. Uh, Basically beating up that guy that they, uh, and like kicking and beating the shit out of him. I'm like, you don't want to kill him, do you? Like, um, after like, you know, he rips the shirt off of, oh, yeah, well, Tetsu was, Tetsu was beating him up, right? Yeah. Tetsu was, yeah. sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Tetsu yeah. was beating him up. Gotcha. And like that, like in that scene of like when he's just beating the crap out of him up, uh, and just kicking and kicking and kicking him and everyone's like, and you're kind of seeing him become more and more and more. Uh, aggressive and a lot more you know evil i guess ish um not really because i mean again the guy's a scumbag and he didn't get his ass kicked but um it, but like that scene is really demented everyone's just like hey uh you're gonna kill him like and he just doesn't care you know he's just like well maybe it's better this way or whatever his line is yeah something like that and it's it's one of those movies uh, sorry to interrupt but it, that, that you know the easy rider type of thing that it feels very real that could be if this was just a movie about a biker gang without the telekinetic powers and all that. That was this scene you would see in a movie and and be impactful and effective. That's yeah, yeah that, sounds that, anarchy. No, and that's one of those scenes that stands out too. It was really powerful. Obviously, yeah. The you know they what they were the horror that they were going to do to the girl and 
Yes. The, oh my God. the gravity of that in a, in an animated film for me, that was shocking again in a good way because it obviously didn't happen, but the power of what that does emotionally to her and what that does emotionally to Tetsuo too, that he couldn't protect her so that then he leans so heavily into the power that it destroys him and corrupts him. It's like, that's real in a very fantastical movie. And, and you know what the, the, the interesting thing is like the like the way the Tetsu's behavior is very much a symptom of that time they live in. It's like the government is collapsing and all these like radicalized factions are taking control over like the uh the, the population's mindset. Like you have that weird uh uh that one lady with the 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 afro or whatever, like that big puffy hair oh, yeah, like lady miyaka or something yeah and she's she has a faction and then there's uh the group led by the tiny tiny guy that ryu goes to like there's all these different factions and like the supreme council's not really like they're taking they're falling asleep they're not really aware of what's going on and so the military is kind of like taking over this this society like this dystopia that that's basically collapsing and so uh and there's no like there's no parental figures or anything like that. Like everybody's kind of left to their own devices. The kids, like they pop all those pills just to kind of like get by. And like, even when they're in the classroom, there's like no, um, no teacher, nothing. It's just like, this huge utopia. So like a lot of, uh, you know, Tetsu is his behaviors is a symptom of that, but, and his only source of comfort and coping is, is Kaneda, you know? And his pe- and his biker gang, and so like that's why they're such a tight knit group is because that's that that's how they survive is they fight solace in each other, and uh, you know, and so it, it's interesting. Like there's so much that you could there's so much so many layers into this movie that that are very uh, just that resonate so well and like really inform who the characters are and 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 helps you understand the world they live in, um, and so. So the funny thing about this is, like, I saw this movie way before Blade Runner. I saw it, uh, I don't know, like, 91. I think, you know, like, 91 or so, or 90. Um, and I didn't see Blade Runner till uh, I was, like, 2001 or 2002 in a film class. And I remember, I and I totally forgot about this, but it reminded me that the first time I saw Blade Runner, I was like, oh, cool, this is like Akira. <laughs> and uh flipped. Yeah, I'd flip the other way. Um, and to me, I, I, I'm, you know, maybe I'll, uh, kind of get some shit for this, but I think, in my opinion, I think it's, this film's a more nuanced, and I think this film's more nuanced and more complex and visually and thematically rich than Blade Runner, even though it's kind of directly inspired by Blade Runner. Um, and, you know, being, this is the first time I saw this movie after t- after taking classes in animation, and I just appreciate it on a whole other level that I didn't really understand before. And uh, so this really just resonates more with me, and I I appreciate it way more than I did before. It's it's a milestone film. I mean, yeah. that, that's what it is. I mean, not even just yeah. for animation or anime. It's a milestone film in itself. Yeah, and and very extremely influential. And like I said before, like. With uh with Chronicle like that that, <laughs> that movie, um, like this movie, I, I don't want to see a live action of it. I just don't. God, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know how they could do it justice, but I mean, we'll see. I Taika Waititi is a good, you know, he's a good director. Great. Yeah, talent. it's one of the things where until and when I hear, I'm like, no, no, no. I hear his name, I'm like, well, maybe. It's it's not uh, like it's Mick G, <laughs> you know. Or something yeah, like that. Yeah. It's not like it's uh, Michael Bay producing. Yeah, yeah Michael Bay, Bay or like or uh, Brett Ratner. It's not like one of those. Oh God! Uh, so, I just want to yeah. say, like, so talking about the legacy of the movie, we kind of touched on it here and there, but I want to real quick say the the legacy of the movie for me in a personal sense is this is one of the films that's very significant in in showing me as a storyteller and a writer how to create a fantastical world that's very real. And very powerful. And it all comes down to characters underneath that live in that world. And I think that 
that the characters here are so strong and so real. And for me, I don't know that there's any other animation, at least in my opinion, that matches the reality and the gravity of it. And that that's where the legacy is for me as a writer, that I return to this movie in that sense of, okay, you have this fantastical world that's a cartoon also that feels completely real because of the, the characters, the way they exist in that world, the way they move, the way they act, what their motivations are, whichever dub you like, whichever, if you like the dub or the sub, whatever you prefer, what, regardless of that, that the, the through line of the story, it's just so real. And I think that uh, that's always something that strikes me with this movie because it's so sensational, but it's the reality of it that the character motivations behind that sensational stuff that really impacted me personally and still influences my writing. If I'm, if anything gets super fantastical, it's like, okay, how do you ground it too at the same time? And this movie achieves that where a lot of similar type movies just fail even if they're really cool looking, like something like The Matrix or something. For me, that doesn't ever feel grounded and real, just for me. But for maybe other people it does, but this always feels grounded and real. Yeah. I agree with all that. Yeah, this is awesome. Good movie. This movie is awesome. Watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, if you have it, for sure. Watch this movie and then and, watch Ghost in the Shell. Paul? It, I mean, as far as legacy, do you want... um? Should we reference like the influence it had on specific? Yeah, movies, no, that's part of it. Or... Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's funny in regards to the influence. Like you know, obvious one, Stranger Things with Eleven. Uh, that's an obvious one. Matrix, South Park. There's so many things out there that uh, owe a debt of gratitude to this movie. Um, and in fact, uh, it's funny that uh, so one one movie. So visually, like what I love about this movie is how uh, the Neo Tokyo has all these neon lights all over the place. Like it's very visually distinct um, dystopia. And uh, I was watching Godzilla versus Kong yesterday. And when Godzilla and Kong were fighting, they were actually in Hong Kong and it had the visual look of Akira. It had the, the bright, vibrant neon lights uh, aesthetically like Akira. So it's like, even in something that's so remote and removed from this movie, still it is influenced by Akira. So um, I, I just want to point that out. It's like, it's so influential, like f 40 years, you know, like, yeah, over 40 years later, it's still 40. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. My brain's good. No. So I was just happy to watch it again. I, I haven't just, watched yeah. it in a while because oh. that's one thing I love about this podcast because I have kids. I don't always have time to watch things that I've seen already. You know what I mean? Like, you don't get the time to revisit yeah. them. So this is an opportunity for me to revisit something I absolutely love, which was awesome. So thank you guys for... Which was Josie and the Pussycats, I know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I was one. As I said in the that. last episode, I watched it. I won't watch it again. Watch, though, the thing is yeah. now, like, Judy will be like, let's watch Josie and the Pussycats right now. My wife will, like, literally make me watch that now. Because I told her I think she'd like it. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I just want to say one more thing. Um, I, this... Uh, I don't know. For me, I feel like it redefined the, the pop culture landscape. And for me, this movie is more influential to me than, than Star Wars. And I didn't realize that until watching it again, how much it, it really influenced me and like how a lot of my sensibilities and like the way I. The way are, are you yell your friends' this. names, things like that. I do. I go, Josiah! <laughs> like, oh! Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, honestly, like, my love of Japanese culture starts with this movie. Like, this is my first foray into Japanese culture. This is the reason why I went to Tokyo. Like, it all stems from this, from this movie. So this one movie just That's really awesome. influenced my life. And so, honestly, uh, it, it means so much to me. And I'm so glad we covered it. Um, and I'm glad I got to, you know, share my thoughts with you two and... Uh, well, I feel I, I see you as brothers, so you're like the <laughs> Tetsu and so Kaneda. you're going to kill me then? Yeah. Well, yeah. no, I mean, but I do it out of love. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. and I'll do it with a space laser or something. Oh, you know? man. I'm just going to do it. Alrighty, and on that note, uh, Josiah, where can they find more? <laughs> so you can find me at Josiah is right, as in writer, W-R-I-T-E. And also, Paul and I did a video a little while back where when he after he went to Japan, we went through a bunch of collectibles he got. So that actually kind of connects to 
this movie. You had the little yeah. tiny Kaneda and the bike you got there. So check oh, yeah. out that video for some yeah. of Paul's we'll experiences. We'll put it in the link. We'll yes. put it in the link below. Yes, please do that. And also, Absolutely. we're giving away t-shirts, so be sure to subscribe to my channel and subscribe here at the Grand Geek Gathering, and you could potentially win a t-shirt, Popposis or Grand Geek Gathering, or Josiah is right. We'll see. Maybe you can win one. Absolutely. And Paul, where can they find you? Oh, you uh, you can find me on Instagram at Arcade Blackfire. And actually, I want to show that I'm wearing a, a Kira t-shirt. To kind <laughs> Paul, of commemorate. it's not Mardi, Mardi Gras. I'm going to go I I know, right? my dog, but he's too far. Show, my, show the beads, yeah. <laughs> Akira! I know. But, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And um, if you like this content, please subscribe and like this video. And uh, check out all of our other videos on our YouTube or go to our, to our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for our articles, our other videos, our podcasts, and so much more. I also stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash thegrandgeekgathering. Also, we have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so please follow us there as well. And join our Discord. Our music has been provided by Carl Laurent. Have a wonderful week. Wear a mask. And... Tetsuo! What's on the silver screen? They do what I believe. Grand Geek Gathering.